Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host and owner, Justin Jackson. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And also, don't forget to follow and turn on the post notification handles or post notifications to the social media handles uh, at JTime Sports. I repeat, at JTime Sports on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, for your updates, highlights, breaking news, make sure those post notifications are turned on. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the NBA playoffs leading into Wednesday night. We'll be talking about the my NFL mock draft, my final mock draft. We'll have some other small NFL news, and we'll have our best for last. Now, if you're new here, you don't know, but if you're returning, you know what I'm about to say. Sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. So excited that you guys are joining me. It's NFL Draft Day um, because I'm recording this Wednesday night. I'm actually trying to get this in before the playoffs start or right around the time the Lakers get jumping off. Um, but it is NFL Draft Day when you guys hear this. It's been a long journey. It's been a long trip. It felt like at certain points the NFL Draft would never come. But we have arrived like I said, I'm recording this 12 or so hours, uh, or 24 hours or so, in front of the NFL draft in Kansas City, Missouri. The stage looks wonderful. I'm loving the outside scenes and the outside shoots. Um, you know, ever since I started moving a draft around, the fans have been showing out. You know, it's been in the, it's been in New York City in Radio City Music Hall pretty much as long as I, I mean, I can remember it. I'm 25, nearly 26. It's always been in Radio City Music Hall, as far as I can remember. Maybe really early in my life it wasn't there, but it's always been in one such location. And then when the NFL got the brilliant idea, and I do say brilliant, whoever came up with the idea needs a raise. You know, the NFL came up with the brilliant idea of moving it around. And I thought they might have moved it for a few years and then went back to New York, um, to back to Radio City Music Hall. But no, it's it's been in Vegas. It's been in Kansas City. Uh, Tennessee showed out. Um... I can't wait for it to come to New Orleans. I'm going to be there. Trust me. Um, Houston, I'm going to be there. Trust me. Both of those cities are within pretty good range of me. Um, and so it's pretty dope um, seeing the draft move around because you get those fans in that city now all supporting. And now the biggest, uh, and now the biggest, you know, uproar and biggest cheers for that team's pick. So, if that pick is a 29th pick and the fans don't love it, he's going to be the biggest cheer, the biggest boo is going to be for that pick, and you really, and they're going to boo their rivals' picks. It's spectacular. Um, and so, like, for instance, Kansas City, like, I expect them to boo um, Chargers' picks, you know, just because they're in Kansas City. Um, so, it's going to be pretty dope, pretty great to watch. Um, so, we're, we're right there. We're at the NFL draft. We're smack dab in the middle of the NBA playoffs. A couple teams have already clinched their. Uh, pass on to the next round, but because it's the NBA segment, because it's our A block, and it's talking about the NBA playoffs, we're going to jump right into them. We're going to start off with the East. Um, and the most surprising series so far has been the Bucks and the Heat. Um, and right now, the Heat hold a 3-1 lead, um, not just because I predicted a, a, a Milwaukee sweep, which I think I would have got Milwaukee in five if Giannis doesn't get hurt in this games two and three. Um, 
Um, pretty much, he pretty much missed all of pretty much missed the first three games. He only played ten minutes in game one, um, and then he missed all of game two, all of game three. Um, he's played in game four and five, or he played, he played in game four uh, rather. And I just think Miami caught momentum, and that was um, something that it was going to be hard for Milwaukee to overcome. Um, but, you know, game four, we saw one of the greatest playoff performances ever. Oh, uh, There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. It was one of the single greatest playoff games ever played. Um, and that was Jimmy Butler scoring 56 points. He set a Miami Heat playoff record. I believe it's tied for fourth most points ever in a playoff game. Uh, Michael Jordan's famous 63. Elgin Baylor had 61. Donovan Mitchell had 57. Um, and then it's like, um, a, it's a couple players tied at 56, but uh, Jimmy Butler is the most recent. I believe he was the most efficient player to ever go over the 56 mark. But like I said, this series is really turned on Giannis's injury. Um, but I was talking to some people today actually about this series, and they're, oh, the Bucks are out, the Bucks are out. Sure. Uh, Jimmy Butler, playoff Jimmy Butler, is top 10 player in the NBA. You can take playoff Jimmy Butler and inject him into the regular season. He might mess around and win the MVP. But Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player on planet Earth. Honestly, I don't think it's close. Now, is he dealing with some stuff? Could a lot of stuff be weighing on Giannis right now? They could be. You know, we're going to speak about stuff weighing on people in a minute. We're going to talk about Kawhi. But... Could a lot of stuff be weighing on Giannis? It could be. For instance, his team has an issue. Giannis's contract extension eligible again, either this summer or early into in the next season. Chris Middleton, you have to do something with Chris Middleton. What you gonna do about Drew Holiday? What you gonna do about Brooke Lopez, who's a free agent? The Bucks have never paid this, the luxury tax. They're actually under it right now. Are they gonna go over the luxury tax? Because you know, if you lock into the luxury tax multiple years with the new CBA, it's a it's a pretty bad it's a pretty rough penalty, uh, for uh, repeat tax offenders, in the next CBA. What are you gonna do if you're the Bucks? Now you're assuming like the Clippers or the Warriors, who we'll discuss both teams a little later. Um, they got they got absolutely hammered because they're in the new highest tax bracket. They got absolutely destroyed by the new CBA. So who knows how they're gonna handle their business going forward because of what they have to do. Um, because of what they have to do in the next CBA in terms of tax dollars, etc. Um, but I don't think this series is over. Now, I do think, and I'm going to say this now, you guys are going to hear it out Thursday morning, the Heat better beat them in Game 5. They better go into Milwaukee, beat them in Game 5. Because right now, I think the role players' confidence in the, on the Bucks is shook. Giannis is Giannis, Middleton is Middleton, Drew's Drew. But, like, in the back of their mind, Drew has to be thinking of Middleton, like, we couldn't guard Jimmy. And if he does that to us again, we're gone. You know, it's kind of like, I think... Offensively, some of the role players are, are struggling. Bobby Porter doesn't have a great game. I haven't heard from Grayson Allen. I haven't heard from Jay Crowder. He didn't. He got a DMP. I haven't heard from Joe Ingles. Like I, I just think that you know, offensively, a lot of the role players are struggling. Defensively, maybe Drew and Chris are starting to have that that small doubt of um, oh man, can we guard Jimmy Butler? Um. And so I think that's going to be huge. I, I will say I think the Bucks come back and win this series. Um, and actually, you know, you've been hearing this stat probably the past few days. Oh, when your team are down 3-1, they have a 5% chance of winning. If you take the higher C down 3-1, it's actually something like Kevin Pelton of ESPN ran the number. It's like 11% or 
um, of higher seeds that go down 3-1 come back. So that's twice your odds. I don't know what it is in a 1-8 situation. I don't know if it's ever been. I mean, I'm sure it's been done in a 1-8 because ESPN and whatever didn't blast it. But I don't know what the probability of a 1-8 situation is. But Giannis is the best player on planet Earth. And I think that if he didn't get injured in the first game, because he basically didn't play a game until like yesterday or by the time you hear this two days ago. Um, because he got hurt. He played 10 minutes in game one, missed all of game two, missed all of game three, and then played in game four. So he really lost his first game of the playoffs. Um, and so they lost him. Like I said, Butler went for 56. You can't really do much against that. And he really only truly scored them in two quarters. He had like 20-something in the first and 20-something in the fourth. For the second and third quarters, he was pretty quiet. It kind of reminds me of Jordan's game. Jordan had like, oh, oh man, because the, the six-three-point game was in double OT, if I remember the tournament correctly. And he had like 40, or like, you know, going into OT, and then goes for 20-something in OT. Like, it was insane. Um, to pass Elgin Baylor's record. Elgin Baylor was the only person that played his step score 60. Jordan went over to 63. Um, but back to, to the Bucks' heat. I just think that Giannis is the best player on the planet, like I said. And I think the Heat are going to have to beat them in game five because it's going to be hard to me if those role players hit some shots in game five, especially if the Bucks win easy. The Bucks win by 20, 25 points. Like, and I don't think it's going to happen. Eric Spolster is the best, arguably the best coach in the NBA. He's coaching circles around Budenhoser. I don't think it's going to happen. But NBA is a make or miss league. If let's say the Bucks go out and hit 23, it's possible. Brook Lopez hit three in the corner. Grayson Allen hits four or five. Ingles hits two or two, two or three. Um, Drew Holiday hits three. Middleton hits three or four. And Giannis hits one. You know, they're up 18. Giannis shoots it, nails it kind of thing. And they make 20, 25, three, 20, 23s on you. They're going to beat you. And so now those role players have bipolar hits a couple. Now those role players have that confidence to now they're going to go into Miami. Miami doesn't have a real home court advantage. It was electric um, for game four. But that's because they were watching something historic. You get on the heat early. You get dealt down. You get them up 14-2, 16-2, Or like what the Lakers did to the Grizzlies, 36-9. You know what I'm saying? Just take out the home crowd. You can beat them in game six. And then it's on game seven on your floor. I got the best player on the planet, Giannis, in that situation. So, you know, the Bucks were my title favorite. The Bucks were my team that I said, until they lose, I'm going to rock with them. They haven't lost yet. In the, in the words of Anthony Edwards, it's the first one to four, not the first one to three. So I'm going to stay with the Bucks to come back and win this series. I had them in a sweep. That was pre Giannis injury. Um, but I have the Bucks uh, coming back and winning this thing four three. Uh, jumping to the number two seed, the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks. A series that is suddenly interesting. Um, and I gave Atlanta a game. I said I have too much respect for DeJounte Murray and. Um, oh, I have too much respect for DeJounte Murray and. Trey Young to not give him a game. Let's not give him a game. Um, that game would have been the game three game, or yeah, it would have been game three. They win it. Um, Trey had a big night. Dejounte had a pretty solid night. They win it. Game four, Trey plays pretty well again. Um, Faciating issues. Dejounte ended up bumping the ref after the game. They suspend him for game five, and in game five, Trey goes ballistic, including hitting a crazy thirty foot bomb over Draylen Brown. Every time the Celtics would answer, Trey would answer. Um, he played a hell of a game. DeJounte Murray was super excited. The game was in Boston. Uh, DeJounte Murray was super excited, saying he tried to cheat us. Um, but now we're going back to the A. Um, you know, so 
Now DeJounte Murray comes back into this lineup. Trey Young's found his flow. Trey's found his rhythm. And it'd be interesting to see how Joe Mazzula adjusts. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting how Joe Mazzula adjusts because he's never he's never been in spot before. This is not Brad Stevens. This is not Ime Odoka. Um, this is Joe Mazzula, who now has to adjust to a superstar heating up on in front of his very face. And... You know, Marcus Smart committed a couple bad fouls. So, what do you do with a Marcus Smart? Trade's too quick for Jalen Brown. He looks like he's too agile a little bit for Marcus Smart. Um, we're going to definitely see. But now DeJounte Murray's back. So, I say the series is suddenly interesting. This is one of those I kind of gave five out of respect for Atlanta. But uh, Atlanta could win a game six. They're not favored. But they can win a game six. It's going to be the most electric Atlanta crowd all year. Because a lot of the fans are probably thinking this could be the last one of the year. You know, this could be our last game of the year. Celebrity row, I assume it's going to be nice. Um, you know, this could be very interesting. Do I think the Hawks win game six? No, I think Boston gets them out. Because Boston's looking at Philly. Uh, they, they're giving extra time to Philly now. Their series, that series could have started on Sunday. Now that series starts at earliest on Tuesday. It's going to give Philly a week, week and a half off. Oh, yeah, we can have off for Embiid and uh, Harden's knee to get their situation figured out. So, yeah, Boston needs to get Atlanta out of there as soon as possible. They're the only game on Boston Atlanta game six. The only game on television. Um, it's the only game played. So Boston Atlanta game six. Conveniently, it's the only game against the NFL draft. So I had a draft on my TV. Probably Boston Atlanta on the iPad or something. Um, but Boston, I think, gets them out of their game six. If it comes down to Atlanta in Boston for Game 7, I'd still pick Boston, but Atlanta winning wouldn't shock me because it would be a situation where you tell Trey, dude, you got 48 minutes. You tell DeJounte, you were supposed to get this chance in Game 5. Now you get it in Game 7, um, and that's just asking for, that's asking for a bad Jalen Brown shooting night. That's asking for a Jason Taylor bad shooting night. That's asking for Al Horford to have one of his 0 for 8 three-point games. That's asking for Marcus Smart to go 2 for 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... it's it's putting too much one-off situation in a game seven um, when you should have had this series over in four or five. The 76ers, speaking of when they got it over in four, we talked about them last week because they've been sitting since last week, um, basically. They got uh, the Nets out of there in four. Even without Joel Embiid the last game, James Harden took it, and they got him out of there in four. Not going to spend too much time on that. Moving on. Uh, the, uh, and then the last matchup of the East, the series that's actually, uh, I thought was going to be the most entertaining, I thought was guaranteed seven, uh, was Cavs and Knicks. Um, the Knicks have a 3-1 lead. They took game one from the Cavs in Cleveland. Cavs win game two. The Knicks held home uh, both uh, games at home to get 3-1 over the Cavs. You've got Stephen A. Smith talking about his orange and blue skies. Um, you have... Knicks fans yelling, Spidey, don't you wish you came to New York now? And then the crowd going crazy like Donovan Mitchell wasn't traded um, and like the Knicks didn't mess up the trade, whatever. Um, but hey, Knicks fans are Knicks fans. They celebrate first-round victories. They don't celebrate championships anymore. And that's what it is. What do you expect the Knicks? Um, and so, yeah, so now the Cavs have got to figure out a way to hold serve. In Cleveland, they have got to hold serve in Cleveland. I haven't said they lose another game, they're out. But I think another another series. I'm saying like the Bucks, the Heat, the Knicks better win Game Five 
because if Donovan Mitchell wins game five, and then he goes into the garden, the place he was supposed to make his own, and he wins game six, you're not beating him in game seven because it'll break their spirit. The spirit's broken. Because they're always orange and blue skies. Don't you wish you came to New York? Ah, all this cheering. Win game five? Everybody go, we expected that. We expected them to hold serve. We expected this. Da 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 da. Woo de woo. If the Cavs win game six, the Knicks are done. Stephen A. Smith's in a panic. The crowd's in a frenzy. No one knows what to do. The team, the Knicks, are done. If the if they win game six. Telling you right now, I'm, I'm proclaiming it right now. Book it. The New York Knicks are done if the Cavaliers win game six. It's over. So if you're the Knicks, you better get them out of here now because one game, in my opinion, for the series is going to be game six. Donovan Mitchell versus Jalen Brunson. I got Donovan Mitchell. I know that's Jalen Brunson's town. I know that's, I know, I know his I know his dad works on the, with the team. I know all that. I know that the Knicks came and got him and forfeited a second-round pick to do so. I understand all of that. The lights will be the brightest in MSG that they've been in years. Brighter than the Trey Young series because Trey Young wasn't a sworn enemy until he made himself one. Donovan Mitchell, as you can see, is treated by Knicks fans is like the guy who chose Cleveland over us. How dare you choose Cleveland over New York? Like, that's, that's the situation, right? And so, because that's the case, the lights are going to be bright. And Donovan Mitchell loves the bright lights. So I'm saying, if if I'm the Knicks, I win, I go, I do my best. I sell out to win game five. Get the extra time off. Plus, you don't you don't open up that can of worms, Donovan Mitchell, the bright lights, and then going back to his place for game seven. You better figure it out now. Shifting on to the West, to a series that should not have lasted as long as it did. I'm actually mad at the Nuggets for this. Um, they win 4-1 over the Wolves. They kind of played with their food the last couple games. Um, especially that game four. They were down like double digits or nine with like a minute and a half left in regulation. Tied to go to overtime. Then in, in overtime, they were down like nine. 8-0 run. Like they kept charging on them whenever they pretty much wanted to. Um, you know, ultimately they wouldn't finish it off in Denver. Um, but great fight from Anthony Edwards. Great fight from Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Um, honestly, it's, it's, it's a microcosm of the issue in the Rudy Gobert trade because Rudy Gobert was traded for Malik Beasley, who's now a very high role player on the Lakers, Patrick Beverly, who started, who started playoff games or started playing games for the Bulls, uh, Leandro Balmaro, don't know who that is. I just gonna be honest with you. I have no idea what that is. Walker Kessler, who to me was the best player in this trade. He was the 2022 number 22 overall pick. He got first place rookie of the year, folks. He kept Paolo Bancaro from being the under the uh unanimous rookie of the year. Jerry Vanderbilt, who's a key contributor to the Lakers as well. A 2023 first round pick, unprotected. A 2025 first round pick, unprotected. The rights to swap picks in 2026. 2027 first round pick, unprotected. And a 2029 first round pick, unprotected. You traded it off for Rudy Gobert and you won one playoff game. Rudy Gobert is on the max. 
Carl Anthony Towns is on the max. Anthony Edwards will soon be on the max. Yeah, um, and Mike Conley's is highly paid. So cap flexibility ain't a thing. And if we just saw with that new CBA, you're pretty much going to luxury tax. The NBA gonna start hammering you. So you, you don't so you don't have the it's and it's Minnesota. So you don't have the ability to free agent your way out of this. You got no draft picks. I mean, you have your every other year draft picks, but some of them may be protected with other stuff. You got really no draft picks because the you have no tradable draft picks. You have no cap flexibility thanks to the new CBA. It's Minnesota, so even if you were attractive, even if you didn't have flexibility, no one's going to come to you. You're paying $200 million to a center who can't score. You're paying $200 million to another center who can't defend. Anthony Edwards is going to be a supermax guy. Like, you're in a horrible spot if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves. When no one's touching Gobert's contract, you're not trading Cat, you're not trading Anthony Edwards. So that's your big three. Go for it, but that's your big three. There's no way around it. You're in a bad spot for Minnesota. Awful spot. Awful location. If you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, it almost couldn't get worse for you. It's just not great. Denver, way to go. Way to, way to clean it up. Way to get them out of there. Um, going to who Denver is going to play, and otherwise, because it's, it's, it's a last, the last series clinched already, going to who Denver is going to play, uh, that would be the Phoenix Suns. Uh, take down Los Angeles Clippers in five games. I'm going to take this in two parts. Let's start with the Clippers. For the Clippers, disaster of a season. Ruined. No positive about it. You did all this load managing and all this skipping games, and we're going to only not do this, not do that, and we're going to load manage, and we're going to go all into the Kawhi Leonard load manage express for Kawhi Leonard to last less than one basketball game healthy. Because according to reports now, Kawhi Leonard tore his meniscus in his right knee in game one, played through it for the rest of that game, played through it in game two, and then the medical staff shut him down after revealing the torn meniscus after game two. So, that being said, you did all of this for Kawhi Leonard to last less than 30 minutes of playoff basketball healthy. Disaster. All George, you didn't have anyway because he sprained his right knee about two weeks left in the season. Didn't play it all in the first round series. Disaster. You were left with Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell as your best two players. Disaster. You went into the playoffs as the fifth seed, avoided the play and all that stuff. To lose in five games to Phoenix. Disaster. It's a disaster. I repeat the Clippers. It's a disaster. Nearly of the highest order. Not as bad as KD, Kyrie, and Harden in the playoffs. But this is pretty bad. But for the Phoenix Suns, it might be worse. You telling me you had five tough games against a team missing? And no, and you the first game, they had a healthy Kawhi. You lost to an unhealthy Kawhi. And then you were in dogfights with Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell games three, four, and five. Really? You telling me it took Kevin Durant and Devin Booker over 40 minutes a game in the first round to beat Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook? Really? Huh. You're telling me it took basically five-man rotation in the first round to beat Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook? And he beat Kazubach? Huh. Phoenix have a problem. Monty Williams doesn't trust anybody on that bitch. Anyone. Now, he may end up rolling with a little bit of campaign uh, because he's back. He got like three minutes in the game. 
to try and relieve some of the press off Chris Paul. But it's evident. Monty Williams don't rock with nobody on that bench. It is clear and obvious the day is long. He don't rock with nobody on that bench. That's a problem. That's a major problem. Because I ain't going to play Denver. High altitude, a team with a bench, and a team that's going to run. Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, KCP. Um, Mike Malone's a hell of a coach. Like I said, and you're in that altitude, so you've got you've to gotta fight it. That altitude, five-man rotation. Denver wants to run, and you're playing you guys 40 minutes a night. Okay. I said when they put it together, second round and out. Healthy Kawhi, George, Healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you're probably first round and out. But I said when they got together, second round and out for that Phoenix Suns team, I'm not moving off that prediction. I think Jokic gets them out of there uh, relatively quickly. I say six games. Not an easy six. I don't think it's an easy six, but a couple of the games are bigger than the point spread would indicate um, would be the case. Um, and then the Suns will join the Clippers in Cancun. The Clippers are in Cancun after just the fourth year of this Kawhi Leonard Paul Jones experiment. It's been an abject disaster basically every year. So this is just it's what it is. It's what the Clippers are. They're a franchise that are cursed. They're um, a franchise that's got a black cat running around the building, it feels like. Um, and it's just, it's just, a, it's just an organization who just, it just doesn't work. Um, doesn't matter what happens, it just doesn't work. And you even uh, could have possibly misdiagnosed Kawhi, or either you misdiagnosed Kawhi, or you misled the injury report. One is a failure of medicine. One's a failure of NDA protocols. Uh, misdiagnosis happens, you know, um, but it's a failure of medicine, especially when Kawhi has trust issues with uh, medical staffs. Or if it's a falsifying of injury reports, it's an NBA violation because they were saying right knee sprain. Now reports are saying that you found that it was a torn meniscus after game two. Um, so somebody did something horribly incorrectly. I expect the Clippers to be fine. Somebody to be fired. Something. Um, for what happened with Kawhi Leonard's knee, either from a misdiagnosis or from a falsifying of injury reports. But now jumping into the series that matter, uh, Grizzlies Lakers about to tip off uh, shortly. Um, it's a series that it's a series that keeps on giving. Um, it's got trash talk. It's got guys getting shut up. It's got LeBron twenty twenty games. It's got everything. Stuff with Dylan Bruce making shots. It has everything else. Um, it has John Moran risking his life for two points. He's really got to stop doing that. Um, jumping in the air like that. I mean, Matt Barnes, like, he keeps doing it. It's not going to last very long. That's Dwayne Wade. The floor is undefeated. Fall down seven, get up eight. Spectacular. The floor is undefeated. Because um, the floor is not going to move you, but your body's going to bounce. Anthony Davis has continued his up and down play. Um, monster game three. No show game four. Um, pretty good game. Well, no, I lied. Eh, game one, dominant game two, pretty great game three, no show game four. Unless I got the games confused. No, dominant game one, no show game two, dominant game three, no show game four. Um, pretty much this is the story of Anthony Davis's career, and now it's rearing its ugly head again for the Lakers. Um, it's, it's, it's what he does. It's what he does. And now you got a guy in LeBron who looks absolutely gassed. Um, he looked gassed in game four. That last pretty much second half of the game, he looked gas coming into the game. Honestly, just looked like he didn't have it. Definitely like one of those games where in a regular season he might have shut it down, 
or you know not played that night or something came with a glass of wine in the all relaxed chill mode he just didn't look like he had the energy um and it showed he didn't make a shot for pretty much the first quarter uh, pretty much the first half it felt like uh, he didn't really make a shot but when the game mattered most D'Angelo Russell saved the Lakers with three big threes in a row when the game mattered the most the ball went to LeBron James hands the greatest player to ever play basketball and he made them both drove right on Xavier Tillman hit a tier three layup over Jaron Jackson tier three LeBron played after the game Tier 1 is at the bottom of the backboard. Tier 2 is at that square level. Tier 3 is above the square. He kissed it off above the square, which is a Tier 3 layup. Um, and he drops in. Like, he dunked it, basically. He just went right on in there over Jaron Jackson's fingers. Um, to send it to overtime, he actually gets a crazy shot. So, about like 28 seconds left. And the next, in the ensuing inbound, Fox gets, not Fox, Ja gets it, tries to help him flick it. AD blocks it. LeBron catches it and flips it. 50 flips his wrist from all of 50, 55 feet away. Nothing but net. He let it go about a, a second too late. Nothing but net. Crowd goes crazy, but it doesn't count. Um, and so when he gets to overtime, you know, down one, or actually end up being a game's winning shot, but um, gets the ball. Dylan Brooks is on him. Mr. I poke bears. Mr. He can't drive left. Then he can't take one-on-one. Mr. Make LeBron go left. LeBron goes left, takes the contact all the way down to the lane, takes another bump, lays the ball in, and one Lakers win. Uh, See in Memphis. In a game where LeBron didn't have it, he had 20 points, 22 points, 20 rebounds, a few assists, a couple of blocks. He found a way to affect the game, and he found a way to win the game for his team despite struggling offensively. And then, of course, there's the Kings and the Warriors. Um, the Kings and the Warriors are a very nice series. The only series tied to two. Um, and it is so much fun, this series. Both teams have held serve at home. Now you have a De'Aaron Fox finger issue. I think it's, it's the very tip of his middle finger is now fractured. Um, there's mixed reports on how he's been shooting with the wrap on it. Um, but we're going to find out tonight. Um, how he's uh, shooting right after the Lakers and Grizzly would have found out how he's shooting. So by the time you guys here, do you know? Um, but the Warriors have won 11 road games all year. The Clippers are one of the best home, not the Clippers, sorry, they're gone home. The Kings are one of the best home game, home teams all year. Um, and I got the Kings winning this game five as well. By the time you hear this, their series will be over. Um, so I got I actually have the Kings winning the series in seven. I originally had Golden State in six. Um, but they literally can't win on the road. I mean, it's taking historic performances shooting-wise to keep them in the game, and they're still losing. Um, so I've got the Kings in seven uh, to take out the Warriors. I've got Lakers in six. I think the Grizzlies win today. Uh, I would love to be wrong, but I've got Grizzlies in six. Um, I've got Boston in seven, and I've got Bucks in seven. Um, so that's my predictions for the rest of the series. I mean, right rest of the series waiting to be played out um like i said by the time you hear this lakers could be done and over with memphis um same with the knicks and the Cavs. oh knicks and Cavs. i got the Cavs. i got the knicks and six um but same with knicks and Cavs. like they could be over and done by the time you guys hear this um and somebody with the kings and warriors is gonna have a commanding 3-2 lead it's pretty hard to lose those in modern nba history so um big big night of basketball oh there's a couple of quick hitters Paolo Bancaro got 98 of 100 first place votes for Rookie of the Year. 
Utah's Walker Kessler got the other two. You know, the person that Rudy Gobert was traded for. Um, Ime Adoka is officially back in the NBA. He was tentatively hired or agreed to hire in Brooklyn. Public sentiment came out. Joe Side backed off. Uh, Fertitta said, screw all of y'all. He hired Ime Adoka uh, to be the head coach of the Houston Rockets. Um, but that is all we have for the NBA. Now we're going to shift to the NFL. Uh, I was going to lead off with my final NFL mock draft. Welcome into, or welcome back into the show. My apologies. Uh, welcome back into the show. Now we're going to jump into the NFL segment. Now it's something that you guys have got a lot of traction on socials, um, a lot of traction to my friends groups and people I've talked to. It's my mock drafts. Um, and usually I do more than three. I usually get to four. But I started off this year a little late. I usually do one like in January. Or they don't usually be so close together. Usually one's in January. Then one again, maybe February, then I get a couple, maybe a March one, and then maybe two April ones. Um, I usually get to about five. This year I did three in consecutive weeks. Um, and this draft, you know, I usually have about a 70% hit position rate, but about a 60% hit on player rate. Um, I usually, I don't do drafts. I don't do trades. Um, to me, that once you start trading around, it gets a little unpredictable. So even if a person feels high um, as far as a draft pick in a spot, I just go ahead and pick them there because what if you trade back and get that exact same player later? Trades are so hard to predict, especially when it comes to um, later round selections. You know, I man, uh, people only ever do the first round. But I'm saying, especially when you start getting into the weeds of like, oh, you're going to make this trade with these fifth, five, fifth round. Like, it's not going to happen. Um, so I just to stay away from trades. I just pick where the guys are. Some, again, some teams probably would prefer to, like, for instance, if I'm. Vegas, I'd probably want to come up. If I'm Detroit, I'd probably want to go down. If I'm, um, you know, maybe New England goes down. Washington may go down, depending on how the board looks. You know, there's certain teams, depending on how the board looks, maybe Indy comes up finally. You know, there's certain sort of things that are in um, the worst for teams with trade, so I stay away from them. Uh, so we're just going to go through them. Same kind of process we did last week. We're just going to run through them. Um, this will be posted, again, probably right after the podcast is posted. So the podcast comes out, as you guys know, 9 a.m. Central Time, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday mornings. The mock draft will come out no later than noon. Um, the mock draft will come out because I want to give you the guys enough time to digest it, print it out, compare it, rip it apart uh, before Thursday's actual draft. Um, so you guys definitely will hear it. So if you, if you listen to the rise to come out, you won't see the mock draft. You get the mock draft like right after you finish listening to this episode. Anyway, let's run through them. Um, despite the the despite the sudden roar for this to happen, and I don't get it, um, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback Alabama, uh, reigning well Heisman Trophy winner. Um, he's a winner. He's an Alabama quarterback. He's the first one to ever go number one. With the second overall pick, I have the Houston Texans selecting his teammate, Will Anderson, with a smoke, there's fire. There's been smoke for weeks that the Houston Texans were going to defer to next year's draft in terms of getting a quarterback. They were going to get best player. 
And I kind of second that notion because you gave D'Amico Ryan's a six-year contract. I spoke about it last week. He's a defensive coach. Usually whatever side of the ball the coach is, especially to have a longer contract, they want to get their side right quickly. Will Anderson was presumably the best player in the draft. He's been the number one overall pick or expected to be the number one pick for probably a year now until Bryce Young kind of took his thunder, but it's a quarterback league, understandable. Many consider Will Anderson the best prospect in the draft in totality. Houston get him at number two. Number three, this report came out today, and it was kind of interesting, and I kind of went with it because I was trying to figure out what was Arizona going to do at number three. You had Kyler Murray, but you got an offensive coach in there, or you got a defensive coach in there, but what are we going to do with Arizona number three? And I think they get Paris Johnson, the, to me, elite tackle out of uh, Ohio State to protect Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler's doing great weight training. I don't know how stable he is, but he's doing great weight training right now, uh, trying to get back um, for the opening season. Many expect him to not be ready until around Halloween time. Um, but I think they get Paris Johnson. Junior report came out today that he's lobbying in the building for Paris Johnson. Um, he's lobbied for other great players as well. Uh, based on the reports to not get them, the Arizona Cardinals have traditionally gone defense, not really helped him out through the draft. They prefer so far to help out Kyler through free agency with guys like DeAndre Hopkins uh, trading for Hollywood Brown, etc. But they'd rather spend draft capital to peers on defense. So I think they changed that and they go with Paris Johnson Jr. tackle out of Arizona. With the fourth pick, the Indianapolis Colts land quarterback C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. So back-to-back Alabama, then back-to-back Ohio State. Um, C.J. Stroud uh, goes to Indianapolis. They got a great offensive line. They got a legit defense. They got weapons. They just didn't have a quarterback. Um, they had a pretty bad quarterback and they had some injuries. And I think C.J. Stroud goes number 40 in Indianapolis and immediately makes noise in the NFL, uh, despite that reported low S2 test score. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks select Tyree Wilson, edge out of Texas Tech. He's a guy that's flying up that many are saying that could challenge Will Anderson as the first edge guy off the board. Also, we don't think he does, but I do, I do think, however, that he, uh, Seattle ultimately goes him instead of Jalen Carter. Now, Jalen Carter's been the number five pick on both of my other mock drafts. I think that Tyree, Tyree Wilson goes here. You don't have the, uh, you don't have the attitude, you don't have the con- uh, character concerns, rather, that you have from a Jalen Carter. You don't have the worries that you have off the field from a, a Jalen Carter, you do a Tyree Wilson. Um, so I think they go Wilson at number five. Number six, I have the Detroit Lions selecting Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. Uh, they got rid of Jeff Okuda recently. They did pick up a corner in, in, in free agency in the draft era, but Christian Gonzalez is the best corner in the draft, and I think that uh, the Lions can't pass him up. Dan Campbell can't pass him up in his pedigree, and they go Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. Number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders select Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. Um, it kind of fits Josh McDaniels' mode. We think of that Tom Brady, Jimmy G., Jared Stidham, Brian Hoyer type guys uh, he's used to working with, Derek Carr that Josh McDaniels used to working with. I think he goes to his next guy in the order, and he goes Will Levis, uh, quarterback out of Kentucky. Big arm, fast release, decent athlete, pretty big body. Like I said, kind of fits, um, besides Brady, kind of fits the mold of what Josh McDaniels used to working with. There's the outliers in Brady and Tebow. He got both sides of the spectrum. But other than that, his guys have been pretty consistent. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons go uh, keep a guy in state. Jalen Carter goes from Athens to Atlanta, um, and he goes to the Atlanta Falcons at number eight. Many consider it to be potentially the number one overall pick before uh, character concerns came up. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus is confident 
that Jalen Carter be a top 10 pick. He stops his slide at number eight. Um, so he goes from five to eight in my mock draft on my big boards, basically. Um, he goes to Atlanta with the number eight overall pick. With the number nine overall pick, um, another guy staying close to home. He goes from, um, I don't, I'm not sure where Northwestern is located, but he goes from Northwestern, which is in Illinois, Chicago. He goes from Chicago to Chicago. He doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Peter Skorensky, um stays in state, stays in city, basically. Goes from Northwestern to tackle um, Peter Skorinski. Uh, goes to Chicago Bears to try and build a team around Justin Fields, and if Fields doesn't work out to build their next guy. Number 10, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, a team with a need and a bad spot. One of those guys that, like, if there was a trade, I'd see Philly doing it. Or they just bite the bullet and do this anyway. But they take Bijan Robinson running back out of Texas. Another one of those where there's smoke, there's fire moments. Um, those guys have been started. Those guys have started. Um, this, the rumor mill has started in terms of attaching Bijan Robinson um, to the Philadelphia Eagles. I ultimately think they pull the trigger at 10 because um, he won't be there at 30. They pull the trigger at 10, get Bijan Robinson to match up. Bijan said in an interview recently, the one quarterback he loved to play with was Jalen Hurts, who the Eagles just gave $255 million. Um, so I think they complete that duo. Um, Bijan Robinson goes to the Eagles. With the 11th pick, uh, the Tennessee Titans select uh, Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. Now, another one of those guys was pretty heavily mocked for me to a location to Atlanta at 8. I just thought it was just a match made in heaven, um, but I backed off of that. And the Tennessee Titans reportedly have lost faith in Malik Willis. When a report leaks out like that a day or before the draft, somebody wants it out, it ain't Malik Willis. Um, and so I think the Titans, if their quarterback, if, the, if a quarterback they like is available, they pick him and they go with Anthony, Anthony Richardson, who raw talent's better than Malik Willis production-wise, not so much. But they go uh, Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, Tennessee. The Houston Texans are back on the clock at number 12. They stay with the big school agenda. They go with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Wide receiver out of Ohio State as the first receiver off the board. Um, again, they're punting for next year's draft. At this point, all the quarterbacks, uh, most of the quarterbacks are first-round grades. Well, all of them are first-round grades will be gone. They punt to next year's draft where you got a Caleb Williams, where you have uh, uh, Drake May. We have some uh, more guys in that draft. They punt, and they go with Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, to keep surrounding their young nucleus with elite talent. With a 13th pick, the freshly traded Aaron Rodgers, uh, Green Bay Packers, select Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. Um, they're going to need weapons for Jordan Love. Um, and so I think that sliding up two spots, they ultimately grab Dalton Kincaid in this pick. Um, a guy that maybe if they, they potentially could trade back or maybe Packers two first to slide trade up in the two seconds trade up in the draft, maybe they do it. But, you know, this pick, I have them going Dalton Kincaid, tying in out of Utah. With the 14th pick, I have my New England Patriots selecting Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. I just think the size and the pedigree is too much for Belichick to pass up. He needs his defense to be right. There's beginning to be smoke surrounding a Mac Jones trade, and then the Patriots ultimately selecting a quarterback. But in this scenario, there's no trades happening. There's no quarterbacks left. None truly left. Um, and so I think he gets the best player in his mind on the board, which is Joey Porter Jr., cornerback uh, out of Penn State. With the 15th pick, the newly acquired Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets, select Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia. Um, 
they, they got to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. They've been hitting on draft picks for lately. Now they're in need of a tackle, according to a lot of people. Now they get Broderick Jones, who legitimately could be the best tackle in this draft, him and Paris Johnson. And they get Broderick Jones out of Georgia. With the 16th pick and the first kind of pop pick, I mocked it in my second draft. I'm going to stick with it. The Washington Commanders, who I think could trade back from this spot. The Washington Commanders select Hidden Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee. Um, his agents put out the fact that he could be ready uh, by week one, by training camp week one era. Uh, he's throwing now. Um, and so I think Hidden Hooker um, is, the number, is the number 16th pick, quarterback out of Tennessee to the Washington Commanders. With the 17th pick, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers selecting De- uh, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback um, out of Illinois. They're in need of secondary help, and so they go pick up Devin Witherspoon. They pretty much have everything else. Uh, they have a quarterback. They have a running back. Uh, they're pretty solid at receiver. I, I never worry about Pittsburgh and receiver. They can use another corner, so they go get Devin or Devon Witherspoon, cornerback uh, out of Illinois. The Detroit Lions are back on the clock. They get who many consider the best tight end in the draft. They get Michael Mayer, uh, tight end out of Notre Dame, uh, with the with the 18th overall pick in the draft. With the 19th overall pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Kalijah Cansey, defensive lineman out of Pittsburgh. He's been gaining a lot of steam lately. One of those names that I have him at 19, but he may end up as high as eight. Uh, we can see him going 11. Um, so he's one of those guys that's flying up the draft. The Kalijah Cansey out of Pittsburgh. Hell, he may end up in Pittsburgh at number 17. Um, we'll obviously have to see and evaluate that. We'll have to watch it and keep an eye on it. But Kalijah Cansey in my mock is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 19. And number 20, the Seattle Seahawks back up on the board. Uh, select Darnell Wright, uh, offensive tackle out of Tennessee. Um, and they do something to help Geno Smith out. If it's not Geno Smith in a year to be the next guy that comes to Seattle. But with their own pick, they select Darnell Wright, tackle out of Tennessee. With the 21st pick, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers start to get younger and get more assets. They get uh, wide receiver Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Um, Ken Allen's aging. Mike Williams is aging. Both of those guys have big numbers. And so I think they, uh, in terms of contract numbers, I think they go with Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College, and begin to inject some youth into that offensive uh, weaponry around um, Justin Herbert. The at number 22, the Baltimore Ravens select Nolan Smith, edge out of Georgia. Um, I don't believe they're done in free agency with wide receivers, so I don't think that they will ultimately um, I don't they will ultimately go wide receiver in the draft. I think they continue to build that defense. They lost Calais Campbell um, this year, so I think they build that defense a little further and go with uh, Nolan Smith, edge out of Georgia. With the 23rd pick, uh, the Minnesota Vikings get a guy Opposite Justin Jefferson, they go get Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. Like I said, they're kind of filling the Adam Thielen role. Justin Jefferson's all going to be the best receiver in the NFL. But you need another guy that, okay, now Justin's getting the entire defense rolled over to him. So now you need a guy that's going to uh, be able to take advantage of people one-on-one backside. And I believe that is Jordan Addison uh, for the USC and number 23. Number 24, the Jacksonville Jaguars picking the lowest they've picked in quite a long time. 
Uh, they draft Miles Murphy, Edge, out of Clemson uh, to try and get a little more of that defense. They're in that upper echelon now. They're in that Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati range. Those teams play offense really, really well. But they also have a couple of pass rushers and a couple of moments that they can lean on their defense. So I think that Jacksonville gets Miles Murphy out of uh, Clemson to come off that edge to get home. The New York Giants at 25 select Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. Kind of a best player available situation, but also kind of a team need. Uh, they need help in that secondary. They've got a good group up front. They've got a decent linebacking core. They can use help in that back end. So they go Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. At 26, the Dallas Cowboys get somebody to go opposite Trayvon Diggs, and they get Deontay Banks, sorry, cornerback out of Maryland. He can play the slot, or he can go outside opposite of Trayvon Diggs to help that defense develop further. Um, at number 27, I got the Buffalo Bills selecting Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. One of those teams, I could see the Buffalo Bills getting out of the first round uh, without drafting anybody because they don't really, at this point, anything they do to kind of be a reach. So I got Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Buffalo. Cornerback out of Mississippi State going to Buffalo. With the 28th pick, the Cincinnati Bengals join the club of the NFC North getting defensive lineman, or the AFC North getting defensive lineman, rather, and they select Brian Breesey, a defensive lineman out of Clemson. A great value pick here. Could be a top 15 guy, uh, but he gets falls all the way to 28, and the Bengals don't have to move to get Brian Breesey and beef up their defensive line. With the 29th pick, I have the New Orleans Saints selecting Osiris Torrance, guard out of Florida. Again, a guy that could slide up a little bit in the draft, could also be a mid-second-round pick guy. I think the Saints look at him as a guy that, why wait to try and get him a second time and get that fifth-year option on him? Um, So they go with Osiris Torrance out of Florida. With the 30th pick, the Philadelphia Eagles are back on the clock, and they get Quentin Johnston, wide receiver out of TCU. I think this is a value pick. You look at an A.J. Brown, you look at Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith in the NFL is better as a slot guy. Now you Quentin Johnston, big body receiver, another target for Hurts. So now you pick up, your offense is insane now. You pick up B. John Robinson, um, which is the running back out of Texas. And you pick up Quentin Johnston, which is a receiver out of TCU. You got one of the best offenses in the league. Now you add weaponry to it further, cheap weaponry, uh, especially when Hurts gets his big money. You're going to need to retool that with cost efficiency. And so you pick up Quentin Johnston out of TCU. And closing out the first round and closing out my final mock draft, I have Josh Downs, wide receiver out of North Carolina, going to Kansas City Chiefs. They do it every year. But who's the number one guy for the Chiefs? Travis Kelsey. That's it. Um, you know, I can't, I don't really, I can't really name you the number one receiver on the team. Miles Valdez, Scantling, potentially. I can see the Chiefs trying to come up, maybe get one of these guys, maybe getting a Jordan Addison of uh, themselves, but. I believe they go with Josh Downs, wide receiver out of North Carolina. And that is my final mock draft. Again, it will be posted probably two or three hours after the podcast comes up to give you guys time to listen to this mock draft. And then I'll put this mock draft online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, of course. Um, will be It will be everywhere. Um, and then a couple of NFL quick hitters, a um, little option or big trade news. Rather, I was about to skip past this. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. But Aaron Rodgers to the Jets was officially consummated. It was officially done. Um, and so the full details are the Packers are sending to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, the 2020, their t- current 2023 first-round pick, which is pick 15, 
and pick 170 in this year's draft. So they're done giving the Jets stuff. Um, the Jets are sending pick 13, pick 42, pick 207, and a conditional 2024 second round pick that converts to a first round pick if Aaron Rodgers um, plays 65% of the snaps um, for the Jets. So basically two first round picks uh, and a second for Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers indicated in his interview that he thinks Jets can win the Super Bowl, number one. He remarked that the Super Bowl three trophy looked a little lonely. Um, and also, he indicated, kind of hinted at the fact that he's going to play more than one year um, because he said the Jets traded multiple years draft picks for me. So he 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 hinted that, um, that he was going to play more than one year for the Jets, which is huge for Jets fans. What did it do for the chance of winning the Super Bowl? Nothing. So they weren't going to win the Super Bowl before Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think instead of probably 6-11, and 11, which you were staring at with Zach Wilson, I think go to 9-8. and eight. Like, Again, you may make the wild card. We don't know what the Patriots are going to do. We don't know how good Mac Jones is going to look under uh, Bill O'Brien. We know what the Jets represent. If two is healthy, we know what the Dolphins represents. Um, with Healthy to hell with Mike White. They might win 10 or 11 games. Josh Allen's probably going to win 13, 14 games in Buffalo. New England's good for 10 or, 10 or 11 games a year. Like, it's going to be a hard division. Now, the Jets aren't two wins automatically like they used to be. Um, probably split with the Jets now, but Belichick has caused Rodgers fits. I don't necessarily see that changing. Um, and so the Jets go from 7-10, and 10, no way in hell making the playoffs, to 9-8, and eight, maybe you sneak the 7th seed. Um... And then uh, now to the option news. Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson both had their options picked up by their teams, both seen as mere formalities. Um, both seen as mere formalities before they get their long-term record-breaking extensions. Well, both of them got done. Um, and then Chase Young, who was also in their draft class, I believe, well, his option was declined by the Washington Commanders. Um, injuries have slowed him down. He had a great rookie year. Hell, he hurt Joe Burrow. Uh, injuries have slowed him down. But the commanders around Rivera have shown a history of you, we decline your option, you ball out, we pay you. Look at Deron Payne. They declined his option. He balled out. He's one, of the, he's one of the highest paid defensive tackles in the league. Now Chase Young gets the opportunity to do that um, off the edge. And then the Tennessee Titans had their stadium bond approved. So they are all in line to get their fancy new stadium. Um, in downtown, not downtown Tennessee, but located in uh, Nashville, they're set to get their new stadium. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be the dance Deion Sanders is doing at the universe at Colorado University. to the show welcome in the best for last um and we're gonna jump right into it we're gonna discuss Deion Sanders at Colorado playing the incredibly dangerous game so I'm sure you guys have seen it over the past few days Colorado's had a mass exodus of players to the transfer portal um in 2023 they've had 51 players um into the transfer portal per front office sports um no other program has more than 29. 
Now it's starting to come out that Dion is telling most of those guys to go in. Basically, I'm pulling your scholarship. You're not going to have a place here. You want to play college football? Go into the portal. When Dion first showed up, what did he tell the team? He said, if you want to go in that portal, go. He's like, I'm bringing luggage, and it's Louie. Uh, some of that luggage already on campus. Sure do. It's Sanders. Um, Shiloh Sanders expected to show up. Um, Travis Hunter, obviously. Even a couple of guys he took from Jackson State have already bounced back into the portal um, because bigger, better is coming. Three or four guys was big publicly announced in the portal. Two or three starters from the FBS teams have now gone to Colorado. Look, Dion is trying to do something that is going to change the way the transfer portal is looked at permanently. He's trying to do what Kim Mulkey did at LSU. Kim Mulkey had nine new players on her LSU roster of 12, and they won the title. Dion's not trying to wait on two to three to four recruiting classes. He said it when he showed up. He's 50-something years old. He ain't got time to wait. You know, he's not trying to be there six, seven years trying to get the right recruits in, trying to get the right guys to believe in Colorado, trying to get the right guys to love Boulder. He's going, he said, I'm bringing luggage, and it's Louie. He's doing his absolute best to go get the best guys right now that he can get his hands on. A major concern of anybody who watched that spring game, they look small. The guys hit out have been the small guys so far. Even the, even the linemen have been little. The guys brought in big, proven, power five starters. He's fixing his size issue. He's got weapons. That's not a problem. The leading receiver in the spring game is in the portal. He's got weapons. It's not an issue. Any weapon, corner, receiver, running back, quarterback, is going to Dion give it a senior offense and say, look, we're going to get you all the exposure we want. You're going to get all the targets you want. You're going to get the system you want. Like, come be a star here. Um, so he's got guys coming in there. He's got a Florida State defensive lineman coming in. He's getting defensive linemen in there. It's going to be an issue. Look, you're in a, you're in a conference with Caleb Williams. You're in a conference with DJ Uyagalele. You're in a conference with Cam Rising. You're in a conference with Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. Shadour Sanders is your quarterback. Like, it's not easy. Caleb Moore, I think is his name, the number two overall prospect in the last year's class. It's not easy in the Pac-12 by any means. Um, now you got to win automatically in Colorado. Automatically. Oregon has Bo Nick still. Like, it's not easy in the Pac-12. So you're going to have to get size. You're going to have to be able to play more than one way. I think run them up, shoot them up, for lack of a better term, wasn't going to work long-term in Colorado. I predict 7-5, year one for Dion. A few people I talked to are saying three wins, four wins if he's lucky. I think he's going to win seven, year one. He's replacing those guys. Look, he's doing something that's like I said, it's going to pit the transfer portal on blast. He's basically trying to flip his roster in a year. Kim Mulkey, year one, she brought in a couple you know, got a couple people in the LSU year one. Year two, bam, roster turnover. Nine new players in out of 12, and they win the national championship. Do I think Dion's going to flip 60 new bodies in there between the end of the spring and the start of fall, and they're going to win the national championship? Of course not. Do I think he's going to flip 50 new guys in there between the start of 2023 and the start of summer and get 50, 55 new guys in the University of Colorado, and they're going to win seven, eight games and shock some people, go to... Um, I don't know, a bowl in Florida or a bowl, you know what I'm saying, a bowl in California, win it, launch into next season, I do. He's trying to do something that's 
four years ago was impossible with the transfer portal the way it is. It's simply impossible. You would have had to pull guys in that had to sit a year. That's when it would have taken two, three, four years to build that program because you had to recruit and then recruit again and then recruit again. But also, you wouldn't be losing your talent either. Whatever is there is there. You wouldn't be losing your talent there either. Those, those guys have to sit out a year or go down. Um, you, saw, you saw it at Jackson State. Now, his rebuild at Jackson State actually might have gone better under the old rules because instead of a Power 5 guy going to a Power 5 school or FBS guy going to FBS school, J-State would have looked like the most attractive FCS program. He might have rebuilt even faster and might have dominated way, you know, year three he was undefeated, lost on Celebration Bowl, or year two, whatever. He might have been undefeated year one, undefeated year two, because guys would have had to come to him to get that exposure, to get that attention, instead of going from FBS to FBS. Um, but now he gets taken advantage of the FBS to FBS rules. If there's a dominant FCS player, he can get in that mix, and then got to have a side no more because of the transfer portal rules. Um, I think he pulls it off. It's daring. It's ballsy. And he pretty much announced it on his first meeting that he's going to do it. He's attempting to use a transfer portal like open for agency, which it's not supposed to be. But Dion's pretty much making it that way. Like it's a free agency pool. He's going for broke. Um, and we're going to see how it works out. I think he gets it done. He has a lot of detractors. He has a lot of doubters about this plan, about him in general. So we're going to see if Deion Sanders gets it done and pulls it off. Well, that is all. I have for you today. Oh, so glad to be here. Wonderful show. Again, NFL Draft is here. It's NFL Draft weekend. Um, so I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, this is your host, Justin Jackson. Remember to follow the social media handles at JTime Sports on all your favorite social medias. Um, and don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, again, this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.